0: This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Appreciate you listening today. We are almost at the end of our Proverbs series. Today we're going to be talking about wise leadership. So that's one of the topics that I decided to focus on in this series towards the end and I think leadership is is a good one. Proverbs covers so many different aspects of life from marriage to debt and money and relationships and child-rearing, as we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And now I want to focus on leadership. Proverbs 8.15 says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. As we think about leadership and, you know, when we hear that word leader or leadership, probably the first thing that pops into our minds are the most accessible examples of you know, civil leaders or governmental leaders that we hear about on the news or on the internet, you know, in our news feed or, or whatever the case may be. And it seems like for a while there, it was just, and even now, to some extent, it's just one case of sexual misconduct or abuse or harassment, just one case after another. is just breaking all the time on a daily basis. And, you know, the the members of our your cultural leadership is, you know, as well as, you know, government authorities. It just seems like it, it's just this constant stream. And by and large, the offenders are, you know, Hollywood celebrities, they're, you know, culturally, you know, prominent uh, journalists, even, you know, with the Matt Lauer thing, politicians, of course, as I mentioned. So you know, these are all people with fame and money and power. And instead of using, their influence and their wealth and their position for the good of others, they've opted to engage in different acts of immorality, sexual or otherwise, or some sort of corruption and shady behavior. Uh, and that's that's not a new pattern, and all people are, are capable of doing those those kinds of evil things, and certainly I'm not singling them out to pick on them, for, for any reason or or to suggest that they're the only ones you know capable of of doing these kinds of things, but we're talking about leadership and we're talking about prominent figures and and how to be a a good leader and I think in that in the course of that discussion you have to consider what a bad leader is and how the bible defines what a bad leader is and we you know see that same pattern unfolding in our culture as as with all cultures over the course of of time you know they you know the aristocracies, aristocracies of old, and the the royal figures of old. How many of them just reveled in their harems, and they just abused their power, and they just walked roughshod over people, and you know got away with it by by and large, from, from a worldly perspective. Got got away with it. You know they were never held accountable in civil courts and or anything like this. So, um, all of that to say, character matters and you know we know that from the bible's perspective that in god's eyes our character matters integrity matters honesty matters uh being being true to his principles and you know this is the case for for all people uh, he wants all people to be people of integrity people who are uh, striving to to do his will and and follow the pattern that he has set before us in in his son but it's especially true of those in positions of authority and leadership. And when we look into the Bible and we look into at the New Covenant specifically and the, the the leadership roles that he has set aside or set up within the New Covenant, he has also placed special qualifications for those uh, leadership roles you know, for, for men uh, that whom he has designated to serve in those roles he's he's listed special criterion for them and so <clears throat> we can make the case and should make the case that you know character matters integrity matters and biblical values matter for all people and we should be striving to live by those those values and, and the truth of God's word but it's especially true for those in leadership with authority comes great responsibility And we should learn to administer authority that's been entrusted to us in a wise and godly way, whether we're talking about, you know, leadership from a parental perspective as we, you know, again, talked about over the last few few weeks um, or from a civil perspective or uh, from, you know, any other context, in the context of the church or the local church and serving as an elder or something like this, we, when we have authority delegated to us we need to exercise that in a a wise and godly way and we don't have to look very far in scripture before we see the devastating consequences of bad leadership so you know we began with secular examples that are readily accessible like in the news and we're just confronted with every day but there's there's a host of biblical examples as well of bad leadership and the consequences that followed from Bad leadership. We can look at men like King Saul or Rehoboam, who succeeded his his father Solomon. Uh, Eli, another a judge of Israel, you know, who just was allowed his reprobate sons to run amok and uh, they just caused incredible damage. Jeroboam, another one. Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Uh, Athaliah. Uh, let's throw a lady into the mix. Uh, Ahab as well, who was notorious for his terrible decisions and his wickedness. You know, the list could just go on, but and all of these figures were leaders in some capacity and and some of their roles overlapped, right? As, you know, they were fathers, they were also judges, they were kings. Um they had power, they had wealth. So we can learn a great deal from from them and we can learn a great deal from the the positive instructions that Solomon is putting before us here. In Proverbs, the the inspired words that he wrote down uh, that he hoped would enable his successors, his sons specifically, to be better leaders after him. And when we look into Proverbs, the first quality, the first concern that we see, uh, our primary concern that we see that Solomon has and that God has is godliness. Uh, It shouldn't come as any surprise, Proverbs 16 Verses 12 and 13 is it is an abomination for kings. It is an abomination for kings to commit wicked acts for a throne is established on righteousness and righteous lips are the delight of kings. And he who speaks right is loved. So one of the ridiculous defenses made in favor of, you know, recent offenders, you know, think of, you know, you fill in the blank, whoever you can think of that's been in the news lately who's been you know, in a leader, leadership position and is, has been indicted on something, one of their ridiculous defenses is that their behavior has nothing to do with the performance of their duties. Right. So, in other words, I can do whatever I want, I can behave in this way, and it shouldn't be any big deal because I'm still a good uh, journalist, I'm still a good judge, I'm still a good you know, whatever. I can still execute my job acceptably, even though I'm behaving this way. And that's according to worldly wisdom. So that's the world's perspective. That character, again, doesn't matter. Only agenda, only my function, only my my role. And so long as a pervert is willing to cast the right vote, then his or her behavior is really of no consequence. you know. Or so long as a reprobate is willing to follow the agenda of one party or another, then his behavior or her behavior shouldn't really concern us. And that's that's a sad conclusion. It's an anti-biblical conclusion because over and against all of that nonsense, the Bible stands and the wisdom of God declares that it's an abomination for kings, which people in power, it's an abomination for people in power to commit wicked acts. All right, and it's again, that's true for all people. Right? All sin separates us from God and the wages of sin is death. Ultimately, but because of the far reaching influence and just the ripple effects and consequences that people in power can have over others, it's especially uh, it's especially wicked. It's especially an abomination. And if a politician or teacher or boss is going to be an effective leader and is going to be a positive influence, is going to be a godly influence then he or she must live righteously soberly godly in this present evil age, Titus 2.12. If a father wants his children to be righteous, he must set a godly example. And most of the quali- qualifications for leadership in the church deal with moral character, don't they? If you look at those passages in 1 Timothy 3 and uh, Titus chapter 1, most of those qualifications are going to deal with the, the character of that, that man. Uh, some of them are just uh, you know things like he has to be the husband of of one wife. You can look at somebody and you know determine rather fairly quickly and by their history whether or not that's that's the case. But you know there are moral qualifications. Is is he a man of integrity? Is he hospitable? Uh, things things like this. So you know what's more important, charisma? What's more important, charisma and talent or righteousness and integrity? And, and the and the Bible answers that question for us that a person be righteous and be a person of integrity and character. And we need to read. If we're not convinced, just read first Timothy three verses one through seven, and then make your decision. Then answer that question, right? There's a lot of charismatic speakers out there. A lot of talented speakers, talented uh, men and women in a lot of ways, but, uh, but they're not people of integrity. They're, they're not righteous by, by God's standard. And, that should be our goal, that should be our our aim. Uh, you know, scripture is calling leaders to integrity in, in including the use of their words and their speech and how they uh how they present themselves. Proverbs seventeen seven excellent speech is not fitting for a fool, much less are lying lips to a prince. And Proverbs twenty twenty eight loyalty and truth preserve the king, and he upholds his throne again by righteousness. He upholds his throne by righteousness. Honesty should be a defining characteristic of a Christian and of a godly leader. So we have to ask ourselves, are we striving to be that? Are we striving to be honest in all that we do and say, and do we look for that quality in, in, in those who who lead us and those who in our country, we have the right to elect and, in a local church context, those who we desire to serve as elders or desire to have responsibility at the heart of uh, you know from a, from another standpoint on this topic, at the heart of so much governmental corruption is is greed, and that's something that Solomon tackles in Proverbs seventeen twenty three. He says, "Corrupt judges accept secret bribes, and then justice is not done." So God's people historically. Shared in the same flagrant disregard for truth and justice. So, you know, you go back and you read uh, some of the prophets and you see uh, Ahab's, uh, you know, nefarious dealings with some land that he wanted and, you know, has the guy killed so he can take it away. It's just, you know, it's just example after example of greed. And Isaiah says, um, they justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right and isaiah five twenty three so that you know is one example from a prophet indicting God's people because of their perversion of justice just because you know they're greedy, they want money, they want whatever. And you know those in power are in a position often in a position to enrich themselves. Right. Again, that's something that's just all over the place. It doesn't take long for you to find a headline where, you know, some senator or somebody is shuffling papers so they can swell their bank accounts with ill-gotten gain. It's just all over the place and there are extensive warnings in scripture in the Old Testament against this particular vice. And Solomon, you know, he he's he's speaking to the far-reaching Outcomes the the catastrophic outcomes of ignoring these, these warnings. Proverbs twenty nine. The king gives stability to the land by justice, but a man who takes bribes overthrows it. Proverbs twenty-nine four. And so you know, he's saying it you don't allow yourself to think that this is just harmless, that you're just you know, you're taking you're taking home a little bit more, and in the end everybody's gonna pay for it. One of the qualifications for a leader in the church in verse Timothy three is is that he be free from the love of money because again he he is going to be in a position which he could potentially uh you know be handling the 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 treasury and the funds that are given on the first day of the week and he can if he does so desired choose to enrich himself some, somehow and abuse that trust that's been that's been given to him and so the you know the early church was polluted by some leaders who tried to use their positions for a financial gain. Just look at First Timothy six and verse five, second Corinthians two and verse seventeen. So sadly, you know, this is something that's going to continue. And it's something that we have to continually guard against um, because us, you know, so long as people can be seduced by by the world, we are going to have to guard against it. And that'll be until the end of time. And so we have to be vigilant to avoid falling into to that same trap. And serving in a, a leadership uh, role and a leadership capacity. Uh, Proverbs 8 and verse 15, wisdom declares by me kings reign and rulers decree justice. So we take what's said there and we, we couple it with the main theme of Proverbs, which is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is, is understanding. Proverbs nine ten. So we take, what wisdom is saying, wisdom personified in Proverbs 8, that by me kings reign and rulers decree justice and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, we can know that a wise leader will be one who fears God. Right, That has to be the, the fundamental reality of, of who, who they are, their world view is one in which God is at the center and that he is the creator and almighty final authority. He will not become proud or set himself up as a savior, but look to God for security and knowing that it is God alone who allows him to remain in his position of authority. So if leaders would fear the Lord and seek his wisdom and counsel, all of the corruption and deceit so prevalent today would be purged out, right? All all of those, all of those faults, all of that sin that is being addressed and that we've we've discussed is the result of, of selfishness and the result of, you know, uh, greed or wanting more power or wanting sex or something like this. But when we fear God, all of that gets pushed to the side when we fear him the most and, and and knowing what he has called us to do. You know, our our nation is not under Mosaic law, but God's word has always provided the basis for righteous human government. It reveals moral absolutes that govern all men, without which nations have and will plunge into anarchy. Proverbs twenty-nine eighteen, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. And I think the vision spoken of here is not one from a politician's platform, but rather the revelation from God. The key to real change is not more political clout or pull or influence or changing majorities in Congress. But the the key to real change is the Word of God, is the gospel, and people letting the gospel transform them. The Bible teaches submission to the rule of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That leads to transformation. It, it it leads to the the byproducts of you know of a better society and a better government and an honest government that so many people seem to be shooting at and and want but they're skedaddling past the very thing that leads to genuine change that that affects those things that affects society that makes it better as a whole and and, and more moral and uh, more stable and values family and values Uh, truth and integrity. So if we want better, more godly leaders, then it begins with teaching people the truth about Christ, which is the only thing powerful enough to convict and transform hearts. The only thing powerful enough to create or recreate people, I should say, who desire desire to have God-fearing righteous leaders over them. Because if you don't have people who... Um, who are God fearing? They're not going to desire to have God fearing uh, people in power, right? They're going to want folks uh, who have the same values as them, who meet their agenda. So whether we're talking about you know in the government, in the workplace, in the church, in 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 the home, all must be taught the infallible, authoritative revelation of God. You know, many churches and, and denominations are ignoring God's revelation and governing themselves according to their whims, uh their their think so's and within the church the elders are to be experts in God's word. They're they're to be able to teach Titus one and verse nine, and they're be to be able to counsel others and also to refute those who contradict. Right? They're they're to be kind the kind a kind of sentinel or guardian against the opposition, against those who oppose truth. So everything which Proverbs teaches about the ideal ruler can be said of Christ. This is where I want to end everything which solomon was inspired to say about the ideal ruler and how they govern and how they rule and exercise authority can be said of christ his character is perfect he is perfectly righteous he is perfect in wisdom his administration is just and he judges and governs with complete righteousness and fairness and he has established a perfect and everlasting kingdom that will not be destroyed hebrews 12:28 are we imitating him are we seeking his wisdom and administering authority according to his will if we are in a position where we can't administer authority appreciate you tuning in i'm jason garcia and this has been faithful sayings